Our vision here is to build strong families, and so we welcome all the families near and fair that is joining us on all the platforms this morning. And we are serving global communities. We joy and we thank God for the opportunity to do so. And so continue to join us in all the services on Sundays at 10 o'clock in the morning, on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. We pray for the nations. On Wednesday night, we have a midweek refuel in service at 7.30. And on Friday, we have a noonday prayer time. Amen and amen. And so this morning on this Resurrection Sunday, I just want to speak to you for a few minutes, taking the scripture from the book of John chapter 1 in verse 29. John 1, 29. The Bible says in New King James Version, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so for a title this morning, I'm going to use uh, the caption, Behold, the Lamb of God. So in times of intense stress and panic, Finding something or someone to blame is a natural default. As humans, we are fearful, frustrated, and desperate. We instantly believe that the tension we are feeling and the pain we are experiencing are out of control. We ask questions like, who's in charge? Is it possible to identify the cause of it all? Who is to blame for all this pain and discomfort? And once those questions are sent in motion, we all tend to pile on. We all begin to look for someone to blame. Who is the likely person or persons that may have screwed up? Is it China? Is it the World Health Organization? Is it the CDC? And of course, some will ask, is it Donald J. Trump? Or is it the 5G? Or is it the media? Was the failure in preparation? Or is the plan to fix the problem adequate? Is there even a plan? Who is in charge of all of that? In other words, someone must pay for what's happening or not happening. Anyone that has lost money in a business venture, or investment portfolio knows the dread you feel because you may have to bear the brunt of the blame of the loss of your portfolio. So figure pointing and blame game has been going on since the beginning of time. And so with that, I want to turn to Genesis chapter 3 in verse 12. Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. The first finger pointing and blame gaming was recorded for us in Genesis 3.12. Then the man said, context here, man had fallen into sin and God came and asked Adam where he was and what happened. And so in verse 12, the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. So Adam from day one, was implicitly questioning God's choice for him. So when God said, what happened? He said, ah, oh, God, you should know. It's your fault. 
The woman that you chose for me, Eve. And then, of course, he also blamed Eve. So right there in Genesis, we see that the finger-pointing and blaming of others began from the Scriptures when Adam blamed God and Eve for the predicament that he found himself. So he took no responsibility for his own action, but found someone else to blame. A scapegoat of sorts, a sacrificial lamb. The principle of the sacrificial lamb is always at play in any crisis. The quest to identify the best sacrificial lamb who is to blame for what's gone wrong. At its core, it's a very deep spiritual issue that revolves around why Jesus came to the earth. Hallelujah. Jesus came to become the sacrificial lamb. He came to become the one who will bear the blame for everything humanity. And so in John chapter 1, in verse 29, John points our attention in this verse of Scripture. He says again, and I read John 1, 29, Behold, the Lamb of God that take away the sin of the world. In other words, something is about to happen. If you're a Georgian, we'll say it like this, something is fixing to take place. Behold, so in order to get the attention of his audience, he used this word, behold. This word, behold, is the equivalent of if John was living in 2020, it would be the equivalent of breaking news, as is used in most of our news media today. Whenever they want to spring a new information, or whenever they want to throw a bombshell, or whenever they want to get our attention as to something that's about to happen, they'll say, breaking news. Well, John did not live in the day of CNN and Fox News. But in his day, the word for breaking news was, behold. In other words, it means there is a major announcement worthy of our attention. It means that the news that's about to be announced will be a game changer. And so this morning, wherever you are listening from, if you've been blaming your spouse for your woes, if you've been finger pointing because things don't seem to be working for you, if your investment portfolio is washed down the drain, if you've lost your job, I'm saying to you this morning, behold the lamb. Behold the one that's bringing a game changing into your life. God has the ability to change the course of events in your life, no matter how dear it may be right now. That's why God is the almighty. Hallelujah. But in order for him to do what he wants to do and seeks to do, you must respond to that ability. It's called responsibility. In other words, you must take responsibility and stop blaming others. So back to the scripture in John chapter 1 verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So now I want to highlight three main things that John is trying to help us to behold. Number one, 
It says, Behold, the Lamb of God. So the first thing I want to highlight here is the Lamb of God. And to do that, I want to go in the Scriptures to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 7. Hebrews 10, 5 through 7. What are we to behold? We are to behold the Lamb of God. Jesus identifies Jesus as God's Lamb. In Hebrews 10, verse 5, it says, Therefore, when he, Jesus, came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. But a body you have prepared for me. Next verse. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Verse 7. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. So when John was saying to those Jews that morning, that day, that behold the Lamb of God. Very clearly, he was making a clear distinction between this lamb that he was looking at in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and contrasting him to those lambs that were sacrificed in Israel at Passover and in their temples. This lamb of God of which we speak is not just a Passover lamb. Those Passover lambs did not go willingly to the altar to be sacrificed. They went with reluctance and resistance. Oh, but this Lamb of God of which you speak of this morning, the Lamb of God says, I come. It is written in volume to of me to come to do your will, O God. So he did not go to the cross with resistance. He did not go to the cross with reluctance. He came and he went willingly. It's not just a Passover lamb that was only good for a household, but this one was significant and adequate enough to serve as God's lamb. What's so significant about this lamb unlike any other? Oh, I'm glad to tell you this morning on this Resurrection Sunday, this Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, was born to die. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2, in verse 7, Luke 2, verse 7, the Bible tells us that Jesus came wrapped in his swaddling clothes in the manger. Hallelujah. So he came wrapped that you and I can unwrap him. In Luke 2, 7, he says, And he, she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrap him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And again in verse 12 of the same chapter, Luke 2, 12, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes laying in a manger. You see, my friends, swaddling clothes was strips of clothes similar to those used in the embalming process. In other words, Jesus, in other words, swaddling clothes were essentially grave clothes. This was fitting for this Lamb of God because unlike any other, Jesus came to die. Although death interrupted the ministries and teachings of the world's most famous, like Socrates, Plato, Buddha, Muhammad, and every other philosopher throughout history, 
Oh my God, he did not interrupt the ministry of Jesus Christ. Rather, death fulfilled Jesus' ministry because Jesus alone came to die. He did not come to go to MIT or Harvard or Cambridge or Oxford. Hallelujah. He did not come to become a lawyer or engineer or any of all those noble professions. Death was his destiny. My God. And we are told in Luke chapter 23, in verse 53, that at his death, he was wrapped in linen like the high priest of the Old Testament, thus pointing to his future ministry as the apostle and the high priest of our faith. So I want to say to you this morning, as John said on that morning in John 1, 29, Behold, the Lamb of God that take away the sin of the world. I want to ask you this morning, I know so much is happening around us. People are fearful. People are desperate. People are confused. People are asking all kinds of questions. It's the end of the world at, at hand. Coronavirus is killing people. It's infecting people. Our governments are trying. Our healthcare givers are doing all they can. But blessed God forever. Rather than be so concerned and fixated on the issues and the problems, I'm here like John to tell you this morning, behold the Lamb. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Our great high priest is the solution to every pandemic. He's the solution to every sickness. He's the healing for every every disease. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, fix your eyes on him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, acknowledge the circumstances, yes, that you find yourself in it, but don't be fixated by it. Lift up your eyes from yourself and from your circumstance and behold the Lamb. Why? Because you become whom you behold. Observation number two. So number one observation is the Lamb of God. Observation number two, according to John 1.29, it says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. So the number two observation this morning is the taking away of sin. If you go with me to Hebrews chapter 10, from verses 1 through 4, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, let me define sin for us as we turn to that passage. Sin, simply, is a transgression of God's law by thoughts, words, deeds, and even omission. Let me say that one more time. Sin is a transgression of God's law by thoughts, words, deeds, and omission. And the Bible makes it abundantly clear that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In fact, let me read that scripture first. In Romans 3, Romans 3 chapter 10. I know I first said Hebrews 10, but let me go to Romans 3 first. Let me, Romans 3 chapter, Romans chapter 3 verse 10. Romans 3, 10. All have sinned and come short of the glory because there will be some that's listened to me this morning and say, well, I've not done any sin. Oh, maybe I've not committed adultery. I've not killed anybody. I've not stolen any man's goods. I've not done this. I've not done that. And we are trying to justify ourselves through self-righteousness. But let me tell you what God thinks about all of that. In Romans chapter 3, in verse 10, the Bible says, As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. So wherever you are this morning and you are thinking you are fine because you've not been accused of this or that, 
God's commentary on every human life is that there's none that's righteous. No, not one. Verse 12 of the same chapter. Verse 12 of the same chapter. Romans 3, 12. Hallelujah. It says, they have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Are you hearing me this morning? And then again, verse 19 of the same chapter. Verse 19 says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, why? That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. The entire world, hallelujah, before the advent of Jesus was found guilty before God. And then lastly, verse 23 of Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, all have sinned. All includes what? Everybody. Male, female, big, small, boy, girl, no matter where you live, all over the planet, the entire earth, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is the reason we need a Savior. This is the reason Jesus needed to come. So John says in John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. So first, I've, I've defined sin for you. Now let me go back to that scripture in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. Hebrews 10, 1 through 4. This Lamb came to take away sins. Verse 1 says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the, of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. Oh my goodness. For then will they not have seeds to be offered for these worshipers. Once purified, will have had no more conscious of sins. Verse 3. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. In other words, when John was pointing at Jesus as the Lamb of God, he was reminding them that for 1,500 years prior to that moment, every lamb that was slaughtered at the tabernacle or in the temple pointed to the one that was standing before them. Hallelujah. Every animal sacrifice in Israel up to that moment, the Bible makes it abundantly clear, was not sufficient to take away their sins. It merely appeased the wrath of God for a season. And year after year after year after year, they had to continue offering the same sins and the same sacrifices over and over and over again. And there was really no remedy. Those sacrifices covered sin, but was never able to take it away. It could not make them clean, neither did it remove their guilt conscience. It was a reminder of their sins year after year after year. But here, standing before them, and here for me and you today in 2020, is the one that John called the Lamb of God, who will become or who was the ultimate Lamb of God, who, was to, who came to usher in a better covenant built on better promises, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This lamb is so special that it's not just adequate 
to pay for the sins of a sinner for one year, but he pays for the sins of the entire world forward, once and forever. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we don't have to keep on going back to the altar to have our sins remitted year after year after year because he did it once and for all and we became perfected forevermore. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God. Number three observation from what John said. Not only did Jesus take away the sin. Oh, and by the way, and by the way, okay, let me leave that alone. Let me, leave, let me just move on because of time. So number three observation. We are told he took away the sin of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God, number one, who takes away the sin, number two, and number three, the sin of the world. My, 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 my. Now you must recognize, if you give me 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, 1 John 2, 2, and while you're going there, let me just say one or two things here. Jesus lived and ministered under the old covenant, and therefore his primary ministry was to the Jews. Do you understand that? Galatians 4, 4 tells us that Jesus came under the law, born of a woman, to redeem us from the law. So Jesus came and ministered under the law. Amen? And so there is a contrast here. Because in Israel, all the animal sacrifices, the lambs that were killed before Jesus, was only good to cover the sins of only one nation, Israel. Think about that. Hey, had Jesus not come, we still would be doomed in our sins. Because the entire old covenant was only given to one nation. But here John looks at this lamb and makes a declaration, gives us a game changer, drops a bombshell, and says, Behold! The Lamb of God, not like you know in Passover, not like in Tabernacle, not like in the temples. No, no. The Lamb of God, this one, will take away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Now, you need to understand this in 1 John 2, 2, 1 John 2, 2. And he himself, we are told, is the propitiation for our sins and not for us only. Did you see that? But also for the whole world. This Jesus is not just a Jewish savior. Oh, glory to God. This is the savior of the world. Hallelujah. And the Bible makes it clear in Isaiah chapter 49 verse 6, God told Jesus that his ministry would not be just to the sons of Jacob, but that God was also calling Jesus at a future time to also restore no, to also be a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. So Jesus did not just come to save Israel. He came to save the world. And I want to bring to your attention this morning to the fact that at the cross, we just did not receive forgiveness of sins, although we did. Thank God for that. Our sins were forgiven. But you need to understand what John was really saying to us when he said Jesus came to take away the sin of the world. The sin, S-I-N, singular, the sin of the world. In other words, Jesus did not just come to forgive sins. He did that before he went to the cross. Many times. You can read it for yourself in Mark chapter 9. No, no. Matthew chapter 9 verse 6. 
Mark chapter 2, verse 10. He forgave the man who was in paralysis. And he declared that he, the son of man, had the power and authority to forgive sins on earth. So we saw that in his earthly ministry, while he was yet alive, he forgave sins. So the cross is for the forgiveness of sins, but much more beyond that. And you need to catch this. The point is, this is the lamp of God that take away the sin of the world. What does that mean? Jesus did not only come to forgive sins, he did, but he also came to destroy the power, the propensity, the nature, the driver, the engine that causes man and woman to sin. That is good news. Hallelujah. Because it's one thing for him to forgive sins and for you to, have the, to not have the power and the ability to live sin free. But by destroying the power of sin, you and I now have the ability in God and through God by the power of the Spirit to live a sin-free life because the sin nature in every man and woman of God has been destroyed. Hallelujah. So, no longer now are we limited by geographical location. No matter where you are in this world, no matter what your race or creed may be, male or female, Jesus came to, took, to take away the sin of the world. And therefore, Jesus, the Lamb of God, became the scapegoat for all our sins. He became the scapegoat for all of our fears. He became the scapegoat for all of our failures. I uh, like something that Lee said earlier when he was doing the spoken word. And that is reference to the Good Friday. And I said that on Friday. You know, it's amazing. Those men and women at the foot of the cross. On that Friday as Jesus was being crucified. There is no way you could have convinced them that there was something good about what was happening. Their friend, their son, their brother was being publicly humiliated. Put to shame and killed in a public execution. Come on, there is no way you could convince Mary that there is something good about what she was saying. Why? Because they lack the ability to see three days later. My God. They, they lack the ability to see Sunday. I'm not talking about Sunday as in the Sunday, the day of the week. I'm talking about Sunday as in the S-O-N day. They lack the ability to see the Son, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the Son Day coming a few days later. And for me and you, we have the benefit of time. Let God, we are not looking forward now, we are looking back. We saw what happened. And to the glory of God, we now know what the full story is all about. Jesus not only died, but according to the scriptures, he was buried and then rose again from the dead with infallible proof. Hallelujah. Death could not hold him down. The grave could not close in on him. He said, I give away my life and freely I'm going to pick it back up. And that's exactly what he did. Because Paul gives us an account of the resurrection in a very, very good details. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. As I'm about to wrap this up now. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning from verse 3. Behold the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. It was 
born to die. He died, was buried, but that's not the end of it. Death ended Muhammad's career. Death ended Buddha's career. Death ended Confucius' career. But my God, death glorified Jesus' career. Because there can be no resurrection unless there is a death. And I'm here to tell you this morning, something in you may have died. Maybe your dreams, your visions, your plans, maybe your businesses. I want to let you know, that's not the end of it if you're a child of God. God is going to move by the power of his spirit to bring a resurrection to whatever it is he has ordained for your life. In the name of Jesus. So in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3, Paul said, Paul, I deliver to you. First of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for all your sins according to the scriptures. Verse 4, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, thank God. And he was seen. Now here it is. Here we go here. So this resurrection of which we, prove, we preach, it's not just a fallible. It's not just a hearsay. This is the proof that it happened. Number one, he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter. Then by the 12, go on. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain in the present. Now hear that. When Paul was writing this, there were those who were present, who saw him go to the, to the cross, buried in the grave, and saw him rise from the dead. Proof was infallible. Verse 7. After that, he was seen by James. Then by all the apostles. Verse 8. I love this verse 8. Then last of all, he was seen by me. Also, as by one born out of due time. Now, please pay attention to who wrote this to us. This is Apostle Paul. Who in the natural, up to the encounter he had with Jesus, was a hater of the church. He took upon the role of a persecutor to persecute the church. But something happened to change him from a persecutor to an advocate. Simply the word resurrection. So I have no doubt, hallelujah, that Jesus rose from the dead. Time will not permit me to go through the Old Testament to show you this in, in, in Leviticus chapter 23 how Jesus became the chief of the first fruits. And by that, how the priest would go in Leviticus on the third day after the uh, corn or the barley has been planted, the first sheaves that come out of the ground, the Bible told them that they should go to the field and capture a sheaf. A sheaf was a stalk or a bundle or a sample. Basically, that's what it means. They would capture a sheaf of that first fruits of the harvest. And the priest will take that sheaf back to the temple in the holy place before God and wave it to God. Hallelujah. And in waving that sheaf, what he was saying to God was, this is the early fruits of a harvest and the rest is yet to come. And when God accepts, the Bible says in Leviticus 23 to 11, that God will accept that sheaf as a representative sample of the harvest that's yet to come. That's why in John chapter 20, when Jesus first rose from the dead, he told Mary, please don't touch me yet. I need to ascend to my father and your father. Why? 
I have to go wave myself. Oh, my God. I have to go to heaven and show up and let heaven know I have finished the work. I have paid the price. I have redeemed my people. And because God accepts him, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 can now tell us, you and I <laughs> have been accepted in the beloved. Because God accepts Jesus, you and I are also acceptable. So the resurrection, the resurrection is ironclad proof that Jesus' sacrifice for our sins was accepted by God. And therefore, you and I have confidence. We have confidence to know that everything we read and know about the Lord Jesus Christ is true for time and eternity. And so now I want to close now in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55. Hallelujah. I want to get into some serious celebration because this is, I don't know about you guys. I am, I'm, I, it's, 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 this is just too much. Just to know that God loves you and I so much. He gave his only begotten son that in and through him death will not have a hold on us but that we will live again with him. So here, here it goes. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 55. Oh death, where is your sting? <laughs> oh hates or graves, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and my sisters, yes, I understand we are under coronavirus lockdown. Yes, I understand things are not normal. We are not living in normal days. I understand all of that. But look at what the scripture says. Therefore, therefore what? Because Jesus lives. He said, I'm the one that was dead, and now I live forevermore. Revelation 1.18. Therefore, my brother, be steadfast. This is not the time to be moving to and fro. My God, this is the time to be anchored on the basis of our faith. Be steadfast. Immovable. They may be running helter-skelter, talking this and talking that, but as a child of God, understanding that your future is secured in him. The Bible says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. In other words, you don't stop kingdom activity because something is going on. Hallelujah. The reality of it is where we are in the kingdom of God is more real than the world in which you live in. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Glory to God. Amen and amen. You know, I want to give Jesus three boosters this morning. Hallelujah. You know, when Liverpool won the uh, Champions League in England, they celebrated all over the place. People were shouting, doing crazy things. And they said, what's going on? Well, we, we just won. That's what's going on. When the Petros won the Super Bowl, they had parades, they marched, they shouted, they cried, all kinds of things was going on. The church has won. Oh, I don't know about you guys. Satan has been put in his place permanently. So for that reason and reason alone, I want to celebrate my Lord God with three gozas. Hallelujah. 
Are you ready for Igbosa? Are you ready for Igbosa? Hallelujah. Let's go. Boza. Let's let it wind. Wind. Boza. Boza. One more time. Boza. 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 Satan is defeated. Jesus has won the victory. Sickness has no power over us. Death has no power over us. Poverty has no power over us. In the name of Jesus, we are victorious because we are more than conqueror through him that loved us. Bosa, 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 bosa. Glory be to God. Amen. Excuse my overjoyous moment there. I'm just so excited because Jesus is so real to me. And if I are there this morning, and you don't know this Jesus of whom I'm, I'll talk about, this Resurrection Sunday is as good a time as ever for you to become acquainted with him. Folks, when you believe on this Jesus, it totally changes your life. Paul was a persecutor of the church. He was killing Christians. Putting them in jail. The game changer for Paul. The bombshell for him was the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. The power of the resurrection. When you believe the word of God and believe that yes, Jesus died for our sins and that God raised him from the dead. And that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When you believe that, you can also have your game changer. Jesus wants to change the course and the direction of your life. And he's asking you this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whenever you're looking, if you give him that joy of welcoming you as one of his, it's very simple. You don't have to stop your sins before he accepts you. I know that's, I know that's a mouthful. I'm, I'm going to get a lot of feedback on that. But the truth of the matter is, you don't clean a fish until you first catch it. So Jesus' concern is, let me catch you first. He will deal with your sins later. Because there's no way you behold him and you don't become him. That's what John was saying. Behold the Lamb of God. Look at him. Be fixed to him. Look unto Jesus. Because you become who you behold. Come to him first. All those insecurities, all those fears, all those sins, all those habits, he takes care of those things. You can't do it because if you could, you wouldn't need him. But he has the ability, the power, and the desire to do so. But come to him. Come home to the one that loves you, the one that died for you, the one that died asks you, let him change your life. Just say this simple prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you right now for the gift of your son, Jesus. I receive him into my life. I thank you for sending him to pay the price for my atonement. Thank you for raising him from the dead for my victory. Lord Jesus, save me. 
Thank you for your saving power. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you said that prayer and you meant it, I want to welcome you to the kingdom of the most high God where everyone is a winner. Amen. Thank God for you. And again, remember, we uh, continue to beam and uh, we'll see you later in the future services in Jesus' name. God bless you. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> just want to thank God for just a, such an awesome message. Um, there's, in my personal opinion, there's no better message that you can receive for a Resurrection Sunday. So as we continue this uh, coronavirus defeated Resurrection Sunday celebration, <laughs> I just want to encourage everyone to give. Um, we have several options for giving. Of course, we acknowledge it as grace giving, by which you can give by text, uh, 678-926-9529. You can also give by Cash App, which is dollar sign, W-O-C-F-A-N. You can give online by the means of PayPal and Kindred at uh, www.walkfanusa.org forward slash give, or you can mail a check to 1294 Brazelton Highway, Lawrenceville, Georgia, 30043. All this information is available on our website. Again, if you missed out any information, please go to our website. That is walkfanusa.org. And as we close, please join us Tuesday for prayer at 8 p.m. Also, Wednesday night, we have the Bible study that we'll be streaming online at 7.30 p.m. Friday, we have a prayer at 12 noon. And Sunday, next week Sunday, we will continue another Sunday celebration. God bless you. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with everyone as we continue the good fight of faith. God bless, and see you later. <laughs>